Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern. November 1st, we are officially in month two of the NHL season. Welcome into Daily Faceoff Live presented by Botano. The game starts now at botano.ca. We are streaming live on the Daily Faceoff YouTube. And of course, we're looking for inbox questions. I'm Tyler Ramjack. He's our NHL insider, Frank Saravalli. How was your Halloween, Frank? It was spooky. Uh, no, it was actually pretty, pretty quiet. Uh, Kids, oddly enough, they got more candy to sift through a couple weeks ago at Trunk or Treat than they did trick-or-treating. Mm. Uh, so it was a little disappointing on that front. I was like, guys, you got to do better than this. You need a better yep. haul than this. Step it up. Let's review the tape. Be better next year is what I would uh, tell your kids, Frank. Uh, let's kick off our show today. Luke Asdick's going to be swinging by in a little bit with the players' room. But let's start with a little bit of breaking news today, Frank. It comes from the Washington Capitals announcing that Nicholas Backstrom is going to be taking a leave to focus on his health. The team releasing a statement along with Backstrom today where Backstrom said, given my ongoing injury situation, I decided to take some time and step away from the game he asked for privacy at this time as he determines next steps and viable options moving forward the capitals gm brian mcclellan saying they stand behind backstrom and will support him through this process frank no word on how long this is going to take or if this is potentially the end for a guy who's tied for 82nd all time in nhl points we really don't know much right now right uh, no, but I my guess would be that this is probably the end of the road for Nicholas Backstrom. I mean, go back to the quotes from Brian McClellan on locker cleanout day last year, and it's not really a surprise that we've arrived at this point. Uh, I'll just read you the quote from McClellan on cleanout day. He said, that's a major surgery. I think it's frustrating in that I don't know how much better it's going to get. I haven't seen other players do it, recover, and get back to the level they thought they were at before. I don't know where that ends up with the offseason training. He's going to have to make a decision on his career where he thinks he's at. That was April 15th, 2023. So, the writing was kind of on the wall. One point for Backstrom so far this season in eight games. I think the biggest thing as he was centering their third line is he just couldn't keep up. The game seemed to have passed him by, certainly from a speed perspective, down to playing 11 minutes a game. And I think the Caps in a perfect world, although they'll never come out and say this, if you want to inject some truth serum into Brian McClellan, he would have liked to have had that $9.2 million to spend this past summer on trying to upgrade the caps. This contract has been an anchor for them um, at this point right now. And now if he does go on LTIR and, and my guess is with one additional season remaining on his deal, probably never plays again. What we're looking at is the caps having some increased flexibility. The problem is it may be too late to really try and get this season in gear and, and make an addition now. Yeah, so if it is the end of the road for a guy who's played over 1,100 regular season games, certainly unfortunate from that side. But like you said, he was the third-line center this year for the Caps. They're set with Kuznetsov and Strom down the middle. Maybe in the meantime, a guy like former first-round pick Hendricks Lapierre can slide up in the lineup for a little bit. But... When you look at where this Capitals team is right now, Frank, I mean, four, three, and one, a lot of people kind of have them at best as a bubble playoff team. There's not a trade out there in early November that can go really bolster you, I don't think. And also, I don't know if it's wise for the Capitals to be going out, spending a first round pick to try bolster this team for this year. Yeah, and I think that's probably the spot that they're at. Look, um, 
tough decisions need to be made. They were already trying to move on from Kuznetsov and uh, Anthony Mantha. There's other decisions that they'd like to try and make, and they've sort of been stuck in neutral, and this Backstrom contract has been a contributing factor to that. But, you know, this is a tough spot. I feel for Backstrom, given how hard he worked to get back to the lineup, it was, you know, kind of mostly unprecedented to this point. My thing is moving forward, I wonder if watching what Backstrom went through, same surgery, do the do teams look at Patrick Kane and his pending free agency in a different light now? Yeah, different player, much younger, but yeah. still, I think it's a fair question to ask. You know, Kane is is a few years younger, but we'll see. Yeah, it's interesting, especially when you talk about McClellan's comments, seeming like he almost knew this was going to be the outcome all the way back in April at the end of the season. We'll have more on the Capitals through the rest of the week as they look to uh, get things, well, not back on track. They're above 500, but that division is is looking tough right now. Let's head out west, Frank, and talk a little bit about a game we saw last night. The LA Kings taking down the Toronto Maple Leafs, a 4-1 final. And the one is the number I want to zero in on first. We spent a lot of time throughout the offseason, throughout training camp, even early on in the regular season, talking about is this Kings goaltending good enough? And now you look at Cam Talbot. He's only allowed five goals in his last three starts. Both of those numbers are back to not just a respectable level, an above average level. Frank, have the concerns been quieted with the Kings goaltending? Yeah, I think they have. Look, six starts now for Cam Talbot. Uh, since allowing four to start the season on opening night against the abs. And he's got a 920 save percentage and a four, one and one record. You know, this is more in line with the cam Talbot that the LA Kings expected to see. And that's a huge sigh of relief because I can tell you, not only were we talking about it after the first three games of the season and how rough the Kings goaltending looked, but I can tell you inside, internally, the Kings were kind of like a duck underwater, just paddling, trying to figure out, did we make a mistake here? What what, what if this is not the right thing? What kind of avenues could we pursue? And this has quieted all, all of that talk. So pretty significant development for the Kings. And, you know, just flipping to the offensive side of the game, they've been a pretty dominant force. And you might look at some of their point totals to this point and say, well, I mean, it's a good start for P.L. Dubois, but not out of this world. And then you take a step back and you look at some of the underlying numbers to this point. Entering Tuesday's game against the uh, the Leafs, Dubois had controlled 69% of the high danger chances on the ice uh, while he was out there. And that's a pretty impressive stat uh, when you consider that other typical uh, really good lines for the Kings were like a full 10% lower than that. So uh, Dubois off to a good start fitting in. Fiala's been excellent. Uh, they've got a lot to really be excited about as Drew Doughty also looks like he's turned back the clock a bit. The, when they made the Dubois trade, my big knock on it was, okay, you get Pierre-Luc Dubois, very, very good player. You lose Velarde, Kapari, Ayafalo. You lost your entire really good third line from last year, more or less. But then you look at the depth right now, Frank. They've had 18 skaters appear in at least seven games so far this season. All of them have at least two points. 16 of them have found the back of the net. Forwards, defensemen, they're getting contributions from everywhere. And I think that's really what's going to make this Kings team so dangerous is that you look at that blue line, it appears to be holding up. Full season of Vlad Gavrikov. And then you go back to that forward group and it's like, 
man, all four of these lines are a real pain in the ass to play against. Well, this is what happens when you do a rebuild right. You check all of the positional boxes. You have a ton of depth that you can deal from. So not only at some point were they going to have to pay all of those guys that they ended up trading away, but they had reinforcements and replacements ready to go because of the organizational depth that they had. So I think the Kings are a really interesting study in how they've been able to sort of transition from you know, the mid-2010s when they had won a couple cups to then sort of punting on a few seasons, but not a full-scale rebuild, and coming back with Kopitar and Dowdy, and for a long stretch of this until last year, Jonathan Quick and some others, to then now get to this space where, yeah, they got a little lottery help along the way. Quinton Byfield at number two overall. He's still on their first line. He goes back to Toronto last night, his hometown, and looks pretty good. Like, there's a lot to be excited about, and you even just looking at their back end, you're like, oh, Jordan Spence, really good player. Like, they've not only have they restocked at every position really outside of netminder but they've also allowed these guys the proper time to incubate in the in the AHL which has been hugely important they are the shining example for probably a few other teams around the NHL or at least some fan bases who should be or sitting there going okay if we're stuck in the mushy middle right now can we not just do what the kings did where yeah they were average for a couple of years get a couple of good picks a little bit of lottery luck boom you're right back in the mix you know what's interesting? Uh, Rangers, it was Rangers-Kings, right? In that one cup final. Rangers-Kings both took the same kind of time off and are now right back to where they probably want to be. Sticking with the hockey we saw last night, Frank, the Nashville Predators took on the Vancouver Canucks and it was the Quinn Hughes show out in Vancouver. And you pulled up something that is pretty interesting in terms of Quinn Hughes and the offensive impact he's had early on in his career. Yeah, Kel McCarr really stands out here because he had 250 points earlier this season. The fastest player, the fastest defenseman ever in NHL history to 250 points. Anytime you're beating a mark that Bobby Orr set, you know you're in good company. But it goes to show you here when you look at this list of all the other Hall of Famers that dot this list, Denny Potvin, Brian Leach, Paul Coffey, Ray Bork, Mark Howell took him a while to get in, Phil Housley, Zubov, McInnes. Oh, there's Quinn Hughes. I mean, we have our first bona fide entrant into the Norris Trophy race this season, and that's Quinn Hughes. Um, I love the way this Canucks team has looked to start, and Hughes has been such a big part of that. I think he hasn't gotten some of the proper recognition that he's deserved over the last few years. One, because the team has struggled. Two, because sometimes his point production isn't always right up there at the very top of the league in the 80s or 90s. Like We've had some ridiculous seasons from defensemen, but if you really dial in and dig into the numbers... I don't know that there's a better puck-moving defenseman in the NHL, and I include Kel McCarr in that statement. And the reason for that is because Quinn Hughes comp completes more passes than any defenseman in the league on percentage and also on distance. So he always has the puck on his stick. So much of what Vancouver does and accomplishes runs right through Quinn Hughes, and it's so incredibly impressive to watch. Hughes is going to be... Look, he got some Norris Trophy love for me last year on the ballot. He's going to be getting more this year. And since his first full season in 2019, 2020, you talked about how, you know, he's never been like the 90 point guy. He's never had that Yossi or Carlson type season. Only two defensemen since he came into the league 
have produced more points than Quinn Hughes. It's Roman Yossi and Kale McCarr. You talked about him being the best puck mover or puck distributor. No defensemen have more assists than Quinn Hughes since he entered the league in 1920. And the thing that always stands out to me, like I got to watch him up close and personal in Edmonton early on in the season. His patience in his own end, like there'll be a four checker right on him and he'll just do a couple like quick cuts at either way, spin around. And it's like the four checker eventually just goes like, no, I'm done. You can have it. Go back, reset. I don't care. Like his skating might also be the most impressive thing about his game. So then you watch his brother out East in Jack. And then you think about how Quinn's game specifically might've also rubbed off on Luke. What an insanely talented family. It's crazy. It is crazy. Can you imagine being a kid who lived on their street playing road hockey? Like I can't compete with these guys. What yeah, the hell? You feel like on? such an absolute loser. Uh, we're going to stay out West here, Frank, the Calgary flames back in action tonight, taking on the Dallas stars. And as the flames are mired in the middle of a tough, tough slump, there's a lot of talk about Noah Hannafin an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. We've talked a little bit in the last week about how maybe the flames are shifting to more of a wait and see approach with some of their unrestricted free agents. Is that still the case? Is there a different update? No, this is a multifaceted uh, update. It's not just on Hannafin standpoint with the flames. And there was a report about 10 days ago that they were closing in on a contract extension. And um, I, I think at the time there was really, there wasn't any commitment in place to make that happen. They had been talking and had made some progress, but as I understand things now with all of their pending unrestricted free agents, the Calgary flames have put a hold on really continuing those for the time being to see how things shake out. And I think it's mutually beneficial, right? It's not just from the team perspective that they'd say, hold on, wait a second here. Are we sure that we want to lock in with guys after the way that this season has started? But it's also from the player perspective. If you're Noah Hannafin, if you're Elias Lindholm and you're sitting here going, I want a chance to compete for a Stanley Cup, you'd have to look at these first you know, eight, nine games of the season and say, I'm not sure that this is the place that I can do it. And there was already the big lingering question for Hannafin going back to the summer when he first notified the Flames, hey, I'm not sure that I want to re-sign here. The big reason for that was they're not an American team. He wanted to go back home and play in the U.S. I think there was a slight change of heart. I think he was excited about how this season felt in training camp and was like, okay, maybe I'm open to this idea. And things are now sort of on uh, the back burner, so to speak. I mean, even if the Flames don't get back into the mix in the very competitive Pacific Division, they're going to be a fascinating team to watch throughout the year. I don't think the headlines are going to go away in Calgary. Uh, let's move along to our big segment for today, Frank, and welcome back in Luke Gazdick. Players Room is delivered by DoorDash, where for a limited time, our Canadian listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. You download the DoorDash app and enter the code NATION25, all caps on NATION25. Always a pleasure to welcome Luke Gazdick back to the program. And Luke, sitting here after Halloween and while the frightening moments of Halloween Eve have maybe gone away, some teams should maybe be waking up this morning looking at the standings and still feeling a little scared. Who should be waking up this morning and being the most worried about where their season's at? Yeah, I'm going to continue the conversation you guys were having and go out to Alberta with the Calgary Flames. 
Just such a disappointing start, I think, for me. I, I played for Ryan Huska in the minors, and I'm a big fan of his as a coach. And I think me, along with a lot of other people, thought this was going to go in a upward to trajectory and it just hasn't gone that way man it's it's a team that i have to watch a lot on tv and that we cover a lot and they just they don't hit they don't score it doesn't look like they have even a lot of chemistry with each other or even if they like each other like it's it's probably the scariest situation for me in the league right now just because I don't know. I think even myself included had so many expectations of them changing the staff over and just haven't seen it this year. Very quietly, Luke, Ryan O'Reilly hit 1,000 career games on Tuesday night for the Nashville Predators. You see his stops here in Colorado, Buffalo, St. Louis, where he won the Conn Smythe and a Selkie in the same year. A quick pit stop with the Leafs and then now on to Nashville. What stands out for you about Ryan O'Reilly and the silver stick. Just him as a guy, man. I think he's a guy that I've known since he was 16 years old. I was playing junior in the OHL with the Erie Otters. We drafted him first overall. Um, it was one of those situations where I think the top three or four kids didn't even want to come play in Erie. And he said he would come there, uh, you know, handily. And uh, he made steps his first two years when he was 16 and 17 and he got drafted to Colorado and that summer when he came back to training camp in the fall, I remember looking at all our vets in the room and just going, you know, when he leaves for Denver, we're, we're never going to see this kid again. He was just that good at that age. And a thousand games later, here we are. He's just one of the most unique players. I think that I've ever met in terms of his work ethic and the way he trains in the summer with some of the special things he does out in Goderich and, uh, he's just a consummate professional, just top tier guy on and off the ice. You can see he helps the team wherever he goes. Uh, it was really cool to see him uh, push through with St. Louis the other year. And um, it's just when I think of Ryan, I think of, you know, unique and uh, one of the best guys in hockey, honestly. I love seeing some of those summer training videos. Uh, he, as you mentioned, does some definitely some different things. I, I view him as sort of one of hockey's Zen masters as well. Um, what Luke speaking of, of O'Reilly and the Preds, like what do you make of their start to the year four and five, they got slapped around a little bit in Vancouver. Uh, what do you think of how the Preds have looked a lot of changes after their summer? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently. I asked Mint Mobile's legal team. If big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation, they said, yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, just really average, to be honest. They're not top 10 in any statistical categories that matter. They have a phenomenal goaltender who, if they want to have any success, is pretty much going to have to throw the team on his back and uh, play most of the games, especially down the stretch. So you're hoping he stays healthy. But they're just kind of uh, kind of part of that murky middle, hey, in the central where you throw Arizona, 
the Wilder in there, even Winnipeg, if you want to throw them in there. I think they're a bit more top tier than them, but I think they're going to be battling in the middle of that central all year. I don't know if they're, you know, a playoff team with what they have. They just don't have a lot of depth. Give them credit. They had a gutsy win at home versus Toronto in overtime on Saturday, but they're just kind of sitting on the outside looking in for me, I think at the end of things and just kind of been really average this year. So um, I'm not expecting too much from them, but in saying that they got a couple great vets in Ryan, who we just talked about and Luke Shen and Phil Forsberg and Tyson Berry and these guys. So uh, we'll see how the Preds go down the, down the way here. You mentioned the Preds just looking average. I'm going to steal a line from the movie Moneyball. There's average and then there's 50 feet of crap. And then there's whatever the hell the San Jose Sharks are right now. Um, you you started your career on a couple of Edmonton teams that got off to very tough starts. You look at this San Jose team right now, haven't won a game yet, look like they're totally lost. What's being said in a locker room amongst amongst those guys when you're 10 games into the season and you just know you're in for 72 more miserable nights? Man, I was thinking of that too. I was trying to put myself in the shoes of a player that'd be in that dressing room. I think it was different when I was in Edmonton because there was so much hope. There was like so many expectations as well with all the young talent we had there with Halsey and Eberle and Yakupov and, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins and all these guys. With San Jose, like there's no hope here. Like they're they're going to lose 60 plus games or whatever it is this year. I would assume that coaching staff just wants them to compete and not be getting blown out of games here. But man, I, I know, I know it's it, it can be tough going through stretches like that. Uh, I know it was for us in Edmonton, uh, where there wasn't a lot of room to hide for for us. San Jose, maybe they have a little bit of you know quiet private time away from the rink. But I feel for those guys right now because that's got to be a tough, challenging situation to navigate when you're going into games, basically knowing you have no shot. We had a great question asked to us by one of our listeners, Barra, earlier in the week. And they said, is it possible for a rebuilding team to be so bad that their prospects don't properly develop? Do you believe that could be a thing in San Jose? Oh, that is a good question, actually. I, I don't know. I think they do. On the positive side for them, they have their American League team in San Jose, which I think is a phenomenal thing for guys. I, I think more and more teams are looking into doing that. You look at the Torontos. I mean, I played in San Diego, which is an hour and a bit down the road from Anaheim. So at least you have all your staff there constantly to be monitoring guys. And you can have your development coaches and stuff all kind of in one hub where even a team, let's say, I know I just talk about Edmonton, but you look at Edmonton, their team's in Bakersfield to get a guy called up or down. You're taking a two hour drive to LA and a cross country flight where at least with San Jose, you have everyone in one area and you have them practicing in the same same uh, rink at least too. So all these prospects can walk over and watch NHL practice and, you know, be there and learn, learn some stuff along the way. So I don't fully buy into that notion just because having everyone under one roof and in one city, I think is a, is a big positive. Players room delivered by DoorDash. Luke, always a pleasure having you on. Appreciate the insight. Yeah. Thanks guys. Moving along to our daily face-off inbox question, hashtag AskDFO. Frank, a fascinating story went up at Daily Face-Off today from our boy Matt Larkin titled the 23-24 All-Underrated Team. Players like Noah Cates in Philly, Jesper Bratt out in New Jersey. 
If you had to assemble an all underrated team in the NHL, who would be your first overall pick? Rupe Hints. Oh, that's a good one. He's starting to get some love, though. He's getting to that like Barkov cusp where he's like, so I hate, underrated. but like, how many times did people say that Barkov was underrated until they talked about him so much that it was like, oh my God, this guy's amazing? Like, we know he's really good. It's just that if he played anywhere other than Florida, people would never stop talking about him. And it's kind of hard to say for someone like Hints that's signed to $8.5 million a year for the next seven seasons after this that he's underrated. It's just like, if you talk about the Dallas Stars, the first person you're most likely to talk about is Jason Robertson, and the second person would be Miro Haskinen, and the third would be Jake Ottinger. It's just that he never really gets enough love, the ace of spades. And I think of kind of the same thing with Jesper Bratt. Like, he's another guy almost $8 million a year for the next seven-plus years that is definitely not under, you know, rated, could eventually be underpaid, but you're talking about Jack Hughes and and that group, Nico Heischer, before you're getting to Brad. Fair enough. Let's move along to our Botano Daily Bets. One of the players who got some love in the all-underrated team, Carol Vomelka, Frank. And if there's a chance Carol Vomelka is playing tonight... Yeah, then I like the Arizona Coyotes. Um, I'll get to them in a second. First, our player prop for the day. It's Alex Tuck on the shot prop. I nailed my shot prop yesterday. I got my mojo back. Quinn Hughes fired like five shots on net. He crushed it, doubled up his over-under. Alex Tuck has hit this number in four consecutive games. I like the matchup for the Buffalo Sabres. I like the payout here at minus 125. It hasn't been juiced up too much, even though he's on a heater. So give me Tuck over two and a half. Give me the Arizona Coyotes as favorites tonight against the Anaheim Ducks. We talked on yesterday's show, Frank. The Ducks are a little bit of a paper tiger. I don't think this little heater they're on is going to be sustained. I like the Coyotes in this spot. They're 2-0 this year when they've been favorites in a game. They're favorites tonight at minus 128. I was tempted to get greedy and go puck line, but I'm just going to play it safe. I got a one-game winning streak going. I don't want to risk it. NHL coaches always say the hardest game is the first home game immediately following a long road trip especially one where you had a lot of success like the Ducks did. The first inclination is get home, see your family, put your feet up, and you show up to the rink probably a little bit underprepared as the Anaheim Ducks may be tonight against the Yotes, who, as you mentioned, have been pretty, pretty good so far. To wrap up the show with a little bit of garbage time, Frank, we got news yesterday that Paul Stastny just quietly decided to retire. Obviously, he didn't have a contract to start the year. I think this was kind of the expectation, but stick taps to Paul Stastny on a fantastic career. An unbelievable career. It's always difficult when you have someone like your dad that has cast such a large shadow over you like Paul Stastny had with his dad, Peter. Uh, you know, a Hall of Fame career, one of the, you know, the very best players ever to come out of Europe. Uh, his point total is absolutely insane, you know, to start his career with six straight hundred point years for the Quebec Nordiques. And, you know, Paul Stasny, um, look, I, I, he's one of the more consistent players that we ended up seeing in the NHL sort of burst onto the scene himself right out of the gate with a 78-point season in his first NHL season as a 21-year-old with the Avs. Um, He bounced around a little bit, um, especially the last few years, but was almost always consistently on a playoff team and 822 points in 1,145 games. 
that's uh, an excellent career. So uh, he won't be joining his dad, unfortunately, in the Hall of Fame. But I, what I loved in Pierre Lebrun's story in The Athletic was basically him saying, you know, at so many different points in his career and life that he kind of uh, took a step back and realized all the advice that he'd been getting from his dad was right. So um, impressive person and story and probably not the last that we hear of him in NHL circles. Garbage Time is brought to you by Wendy's and their brand new barbecue bacon cheeseburger. That cheese oozing over the fresh, never frozen Canadian beef. Fantastic stuff. And Wendy's is letting you win real food prizes with your fantasy team this year and us at Daily Faceoff. If you head to dailyfaceoff.com right now and you are in Canada, you can start playing the Daily Faceoff Survivor Pool, Frank. And we got a slate of picks up tonight. Things like the Sabres to win, the Flyers to win, the Yotes to score a power play goal, a couple of player props mixed in there too. But my favorite one, Frank, Jason Robertson to pick up at least one point in the Stars game against the Calgary Flames. If you go sign up for the game, you'll be able to see me there on the leaderboard and see that I'm kind of one of the squares. 44% of people are also backing Jason Robertson. I took the Sabres to win. So join in. You can win. Uh, not only can you win a prize every week, but there's also going to be some free prizes. That's my scoop of the day. Uh, mm. Some free prizes coming at you from our friends at Wendy's and be in the season long mix to win 5,000 cash. I'm already dreaming of what I'm going to do with the $5,000. You're not eligible. Even this Get out of well. here. Sorry, Frank. All right, that is a wrap on today's edition of the show. Big shout out to our producer, Gavin Turnick, and Pat Puff on the graphics. Luke Gazdick for stopping by with the players' room. And, of course, our friends at Botano. Botano.ca, the game starts now at Botano. We'll be back tomorrow, Thursday at noon Eastern, to break down tonight's slate in the NHL. Thanks for tuning in to Daily Faceoff Live. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode.